Must be at least 18 years old. Promo code, location, and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Please play responsibly. Call 800-426-2537 for help. Think you know sports? Then try to turn your sports knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app. The ultimate fantasy sports app that can turn game day into payday. With up to 100 times payout and your first deposit matched up to $500. Just download the Sleeper app and pick your favorite sports and players, like Dak Prescott's passing yards. With more stats than any sports app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less from the predicted stats and ka-ching! You could win up to 100 times your money if your pick wins. With the Sleeper app, you can make picks anytime, even after the game starts, with up to 100 times payout. What are you waiting for? Download Sleeper today and unlock one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports apps in the world. Just go to the App Store, download the Sleeper app today, and use code SPORTS for up to $500 match on your first deposit. That's promo code SPORTS. Pod Studios. Are you ready for this? It's Felger and Matt. Oh, stupid, my uh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. You're coming off a four-win season. You don't have a GM yet. What what do you like? What do you make of how they're doing this? How, how the crafts this? are handling this whole thing? Yeah, I will just say that I am very surprised that they are leading towards staying in house through the draft, given the track record of this front office. But that paints a picture to me that they looked at the personnel and go, "Yeah, this is Bill's fault." And I would say you're probably right, but I think all the information he was gathering or been given are from the people who are still there. So. As far as the GM search, I don't think it's a wise move to go through the draft. There is precedent. The Bills did this. Sean McDermott got in. Doug Whaley stayed as the GM. Then they hired Brandon Bean after the draft in 17. They draft Josh Allen uh, a year later. And all things obviously worked out for them. But I just, I would think that you want day one. If you knew Gerard for a whole year is going to be your head coach, start working on that GM search. And I know they've done research on external candidates for GM asking folks, hey, was it what was it like to work with so-and-so? So they had those answers. And apparently to them, those answers weren't good enough to say, we're going to open up a search right away. They instead go, tiebreaker goes to the guys we already have. All right, it was Andrew Callahan on this morning with Toucher and Hardy. Catch the full interview at 98.5thesportshub.com or the app for the full stint there from Andrew Callahan of the Herald. It's a way for us to get into our conversation, and that is what the hell are the Patriots doing? What the hell are the Patriots doing? Coming off a last-place finish, bottom of the league, need a complete reset, and at both court coach and general manager, they're not even going to conduct an interview. They're just going to hand it over to guys who are already in the building, guys who are familiar to the crafts, who the crafts are comfortable with, who are cheap, team-controlled, etc. They're not even going to talk to anybody. And I, I get the whole thing about not changing GMs before the draft. I mean, that, that's, that's the way it's typically done. I mean, I've told you a million times. Bobby Greer was still on staff for Belichick's first draft. Bobby Greer was still there through the draft. I mean, for all I know, he was in the draft room. Uh, go to Bobby Greer's Wikipedia page. You want, want to do a fun exercise? Jim, are you logged in? Yeah. Go look at Bobby Greer's Wikipedia page. And I don't know if they've taken it down, but it was up for years and years and years. Guess who Bobby Greer takes credit for drafting? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Okay, it's, it's again, it's... It should be in his wiki page. It always has been in the past. I don't know if it still is, which is sort of interesting. 
One of his final duties with the team was to perform extensive scouting work on Tom Brady, who the Patriots selected in the sixth round of the draft. Okay, so... Uh, Maybe uh, someone altered it a little They bit. changed the wording, but anyway, that's a, just a tacit sort of uh, look, look at me. I was in on Tom Brady. So it's all, it's all a long way of saying, keeping your draft personnel through the draft is not unusual when you're making a regime change. Got it. No problem. They put in all that work. They've done the scouting. They put in all the reports. No problem. Uh, but they're gone soon after, and they don't have final say. You just use their reports because you don't have that time to fly to Timbuktu and, you know, all this. So you use the scouts' reports. They stay on through the draft, and then they – so the Wolf and and Grow and these guys staying here through the draft is not the outrageous part. The outrageous part would be if that's the plan going forward. And it feels like that's the plan going forward. So – Again, that's to get into our conversation with Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal, who joins us in our Town Fair Terrier Studios here in Waltham. Hi, Greg. Hi, guys. What the hell are they doing, Greg? Uh, good question. I mean, hopefully we'll get a lot of answers tomorrow with their press conference at Newton. I think that, um, you know, we'll have to see what they have to say. I mean, there are a lot of questions that have to be answered. But well, I mean, let's just wrong. go off the premise that they're staying in-house with these guys. They're not even interviewing people like Coach or General manager or personnel director. How, how do you feel about that? It, they are saying that Bill was the problem, that there were a ton of tools and really good personnel available at his disposal when he was here. He did not take advantage of them. And that basically the crafts and or Mayo, that they they know what they're doing, that they're, they're the smartest guys in the room. I do think that there is some uh, aspect of – the crafts and their sort of share in, in the glory of the dynasty and all this stuff about how they you know haven't gotten enough credit as they should have in their minds. And look, the, the chance of them, if they are right about Gerard Mayo and the direction of this franchise, it puts a lot of things from the recent history in a different context. They will, they will get their share of the glory for what happened here. And you think that could be important to them? Absolutely, I think, I think it's, it's important to it. I gross. think gross. Yeah, anybody, anybody freaking who knows gross. It. I think I think that just that part's just gross. Could you be more insecure? Like, good God, you've got to share in the glory with your on-field personnel, like you're part of it. Good God, could you be more needy than that? I mean, if that's what's really going on, good Lord, that that, that should disgust you. That an owner needs that sort of validation or that sort of credit, like you're. You own the team. You're not in. You know. You, you don't have equal uh, footing with the quarterback or the coach or the people who are actually doing the thing. God, that's gross. But anyway, that's just an aside. Where do you think we are today, Greg? Is that you, do you think that's where we're headed? Uh, I do. Um, you know, I think some of the stuff that's out there about like, oh, well, you know, they're going to talk to some people and they could do something or they could not do something. Like, where's the plan? L- Obviously, this is something that's been on their minds, if not for years, then certainly months, going back to Curran's report about how they're going to move on from Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo's the guy. They had to have some plans. I think this is their plan. And I think this other stuff about, oh, we're, they're going to talk to people and they're going to do this. To me, it's just them. It, it's posturing. It's them trying to get good uh, public relations, look like they're forward thinking, where no, they think that between Elliot Wolf, Macro, Gerard Mayo, 
they have everything they need here to be successful. And that it, it was it was Bill's fault, Bill's fault with personnel. Now it's going to be more collaborative, like all this stuff. I'm sure we're going to see a bunch of Craig Breslow synergy, you know, sort of terminology mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, about how oh well. You know, when it comes to decisions, we're going to, it's going to be collaborative and it's going to be consensus. We're never going to b- disagree on anything like that so kind of stuff. Asinine. And they're saying, so Matt Groves, the guy? Like, I, I mean, again, so they're saying Bill Bigfooted Matt Groves and was responsible for the bad picks, but Groves was responsible for the good picks. It's just sort of basically what they're saying. Yeah. Convenient. Matt Groves wanted, I don't even know if he was here at the time, but just, you know, Matt Groves wanted DK Metcalf. But Bill overruled him and took Nikhil Harry, just for the most glaring example. Because he had a good interview. I, I don't know. When I hear Macro speak, he sort of he sounds like he's taking ownership. I mean, he talks about these guys like they're his guys, and he believes in them. He's scolding the media about grinding on tape. And, you know, I, I don't know how long I've been spending here, but, you know, I've only been spending here for a couple of years. So Macro sure sounds like he's in charge when I've heard him the last couple of years. But okay, you can tell I'm ex- extremely dubious in this whole thing. Because it sounds so easy, Greg. You know what you just said. We're going to come to a consensus. Like, just the most glaring example, that number three pick. That number three pick is going to be a real tweener. It's not going to be like an automatic. Like, if you're sitting number one and you need a quarterback, you take Caleb Williams. You don't need a GM to make that call. Like, that's sort of obvious consensus. When you get to number three, it's going to be a real debate whether Jaden Daniels or Drake May is worth that pick. And are you better off going Marvin Harrison and a quarterback somewhere else? Or why would you take a quarterback at three when he'll be available at eight? So now you got to move from three to eight, swing the right deal, draft the right uh, tackle later on or whatever. Like, those are big decisions. I don't think they have anyone in the building right now qualified to make it. No one. That's my fear. I think that Elliot Wolf has a chance to be that person. I mean... He he rose to second in command with the Packers, second in command with the Browns. He is one of these guys that I know under Ted Thompson in Green Bay. He, along with Alonzo Highsmith, he he used to be on the phone all the time, crafting trades, being aggressive, free agency pitches, and all this stuff. And in the end, Ted Thompson would just say no to everything. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I know that got frustrating for those guys there. But I do think Elliot Wolf, one of the you know Macro's first draft. It was basically like the overdraft draft, you know, where they took, you know, Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, like all these guys, like too early. And a lot of people around the league said that that's because he doesn't know what's going on around the league. Well, so I was going to say, is that did uh, Macro want someone else? And Bill stepped in and said, no, we're taking Cole Strange. Right. Like, well, so, I, th- so we're being led to believe that Macro had it right that draft, but Bill bigfooted him and said, take Cole Strange. I am sure, at least in the last couple of months, that Jonathan Jones, and this was part of the Wickersham piece, that it, you know him and Robin Glazer were you know basically pulling people aside, you know, asking him you about... You said Jonathan Jones, Jonathan Kraft. Jonathan Kraft, sorry. <laughs> Ooh, a little slip of the tongue there. Uh, but that, that they Jonathan were, Kraft and Robin Glazer, this vice president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, go ahead. That they were going around asking people about, you know, sort of asking them about coaching decisions and front office personnel decisions. Like, how did we come to that? I'm sure they have some sort of checklist or they're keeping score, Tony, behind the scenes saying like, well, Bill did this. But our people really wanted to do this. And look how much smarter we would have been if Bill just would have listened to his personnel people. I'm sure that's how they uh, they came to this decision. But I think you're right. I mean, the biggest question tomorrow 
for the crafts, and I'm sure they're not going to really have a good answer for it. It would be nice if they did, and let's see down the line, do they bring in somebody, whether it's a Scott Pioli type or Dave Ziegler or John Robinson, to sort of maybe be president of football operations that oversees everything and is sort of the point person. But when it comes to the league, the, the Patriots have to name a primary football executive. And they also have to name a secondary football executive. This comes with... Oh, that's by rule. It's by rule. Now, I'm trying to get clarification on, like, when that needs to be done, mm-hmm. how steadfast are they. Yep. But as of today, like, going forward, as of today, who is the primary football executive for the New England Patriots? If you were to guess, who is it? Mayo. Jonathan Kraft. Yeah, Jonathan oh, Kraft. right. Jeez, I'm sorry. I was thinking of actual football people. But he's... No, no. But he's not going to be involved in football at all. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm, I'm disillusioned with the current state of the situation. With good reason. Hold, like, I didn't even think that that would they, that I mean, that makes total sense. I've obviously read the stuff that everyone else has read. I mean, just. But I'm thinking they would name, well, well, they would give that to Wolfer. But no, that's exactly what they would do. Just play it out. Okay. There's a consensus out there that Jaden Daniels is worth the number three pick. But Matt Groh looks at it. So consensus. I mean, around the country, around the league, draft nicks, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. But Matt Groh looks at it and says, no. It's too slight. He's not accurate enough. What we're better off doing here, Jonathan, is trading down to eight, taking a tackle, and swinging a trade for Kirk Cousins or drafting Michael Penix at the end of the second round. So instead of Jaden Daniels, you're going to trade down, draft a tackle, and get a quarterback somewhere else. And Jonathan's going to say, okay, Matt, go ahead. Ha, 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 ha. Ha! You know what? You, it, it, it just, no, it's not going to work like that. They don't have that guy. They don't have that guy. They don't. And again, I, I said this to you yesterday. I still feel the same way. The, the one variable to me, and Greg, you touched on this, is Wolf. I don't know a lot about Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macro doesn't impress me at all. I'm sorry. If he's still the guy, like, that. that is scary. If you're telling me Wolf can do it, well, then, okay, it's Wolf, but I still don't know. Was Wolf in college scouting or pro scouting, or he did everything, Greg? He's done everything. Yeah, he, he came up the right way. He did a little bit of everything. Um, I, I know he has a lot of support in the building uh, to be sort of the point man as okay. far as personnel. So he also got passed over by Macro, but they're keeping Macro. So I, the, those two, on some level, have to be rivals. So that's an unhealthy situation. Uh, never mind what stays on Gerard Mayo's coaching staff because Lord knows there's been all sorts of crapping slung, it feels like, among the coaches and the staffers. So, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a little disillusioned. You could blow up the whole thing and bring in a real football guy and have him take over and, you know, follow his vision, someone with experience who's accomplished something and after an extensive surge, pick the best guy you can there. That would be a logical thing to do. But I don't know. Uh, that's not what they're doing. They're, they're sticking with current staffers that have been responsible for no playoff wins in the last five years. That are controllable. That have been, and I say responsible, not primarily responsible, but part of a mix, rather. Part of the mix that has given you what we've got in the last five years. That's what they're going with. Okay. All right. Fine. Let's see how that goes. Uh, your thoughts, 617-779-0985. More with the big boy right after this. Dot com. So what? Oh, I was so annoyed by that. So annoyed. 98.5 The Sports Hub.
Now Mayo goes about building his own Patriot way with his own coaching staff, and it's that all-important offensive coordinator job we've been talking about in New England the last couple of years. Bill O'Brien is currently under contract, but he, if he and the Patriots go their separate ways, expect a familiar face, Josh McDaniels, to be at the top of the list for Gerard Mayo's next offensive coordinator. We shall see, Ian. Josh McDaniels moved back to New England. Makes a lot of sense. Hard to get better than him as an offensive coordinator. All right, Greg, how about this part of it before we go to the phones? Uh, Gerard Mayo's offensive staff and offensive coordinator, the NFL Network folks, saying McDaniels is a possibility to come back. What do you think? So on a somewhat internal candidate, so, you know, Bill O'Brien, <clears throat> from what I understand, uh, I I think a lot of these coaches are away. I think they're giving them a little time um, deciding. Again, remember, you can't really do anything with even offensive coordinators until – uh, a week from yesterday okay. um, with the Rooney rule. Like you, you have to do two in-person minority interviews and those can't be, d- be done until after the divisional round. So there's no real rush to this. Uh, I think that Bill O'Brien, um, I think that he's, I think he would be open to listening. I would put the chances of low on him remaining here. The, the big overarching thing with all of this is what is Bill going to do? I think a lot of people are waiting to see what Bill does, and a lot of them are hoping to go with Bill. Really? Inclu- yes. Including Bill O'Brien? I mean, look, the, the the scuttlebutt among the league is that they think Bill's going to get the band back together with, with McDaniels, O'Brien, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, like all of this stuff. O'Brien- is, is Brady coming back too? O'Brien and Josh McDaniels? They're... There's a sense that O'Brien uh, McDaniel's might be looking to sort of take a step back a little bit, and he would be more like assistant head coach, personnel liaison, sort of like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge have done in recent years. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing for a year or two. That's I don't know if that's fact. That's being talked about in league circles. That that's a, they think Bill's lining things up. Um, and look, that could be why Steve and Brian Belichick apparently they have offers. It doesn't look like they've done anything with it yet. That could change very quickly. We could hear all sorts of announcements tomorrow. Um, so I would put the chances of O'Brien being back as low. I McDaniels, I would also put it low. I think that he he would listen. He'll listen to any offers. Uh, he's talked to you know other teams about other opportunities. And you also have to understand that given his contract with the Raiders, McDaniels kind of has to listen to every offer or the Raiders could come after his money. Got it. That he's not trying hard enough to get another job. Um, that sort of thing. Like, uh, who was that line, defensive line coach here? Oh, yeah. Bielma, yeah. Bielma. Yeah, Bielma. Yeah, Bielma. Like, that sort of thing. So um, It was hard to remember which you know, one. Yeah, right. Could be more we, specific. we could hear about them, Gerard and Josh McDaniels, getting together and talking at some point in time, uh, whether it leads to anything. We'll see, but I put I put both the chances of low as O'Brien McDaniels, but I'm not ruling anything out. Good. Another massively important decision because the quarterback you draft and go forward with has to be tied at the hip with this offensive coordinator, and what scheme is that going to be? Are we going to stick with the dated, antiquated Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniel, Bill O'Brien thing, or are we going to get with everybody else and get one of those – snappy new McVay, Shanahan, that sort of thing, or at least an Andy Reid thing, or at least something different than what's been going on here for the last generation. Hugely important. Yeah, look, again. And again, who's going to make that call? 
I'm not even remotely upset that those guys aren't back. And I, I t- if I were Belichick, I can see what Greg's talking about just quickly on that part of it, that, you know, you would have them both because O'Brien's not going to last. O'Brien's going to get a head coaching job either in college or in the NFL again. He's only had one go at it. McDaniels is a dead-end street. I mean, he's an OC now, and that's it. They'd be shocked if he gets a third crack. Look, I, I think it would be um, heralded, and, and I wouldn't disagree. If, say, let's say Gerard Mayo goes um, outside the family for offensive coordinator. Remember, there's going to be a lot of people from McDaniel's staff in Vegas that's likely let go. So those guys could be options to come back. Um, that if Gerard Mayo, say, plucks a Kyle Shanahan guy and he brings him in here, you know, that would be a great move. But they, what's even more important to getting what you're talking about is the plan, the plan going on. Because, you know, we've seen it. Mike Vrabel, Matt LaFleur, lasts a year, gets a head coaching job in Green Bay. Arthur Smith, last two years, gets a head coaching job. With these defensive head coaches, as soon as you're off, they bring they get a rookie quarterback and say they bring in Zach Robinson from the Rams. They bring him here as offensive coordinator and say the rookie lights it up. They go to the playoffs. Whatever. He's getting a head coaching job. So what are you doing next? Like you can't, with a number one draft pick, a top three pick at quarterback, you can't be changing his offensive coordinator every year. Exactly. Longevity has to be, and continuity has to be the primary exe- objective. Absolutely. That's right. And it's got to be a whole staff of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, one I've heard after j- the other. J- j- meaning... If your offensive coordinator does get plucked, then it's the quarterback coach who's ready to go there. And they've, they're, they're all tied at the hip. And they're all like, and I know I bitch about this in baseball, but the Patriots kind of need this. They're just kind of clones. They're just the, that, that offensive, uh, systems clone, just the next guy, the next tight pant, uh, clo- carefully quaffed young nerd coming up through there is sort of what they need. Uh, I think. Anyway, yeah, that offense works. It's proven. And this Nick Cayley that I keep hearing now. You know, Nick Cayley was on the Patriots staff. He was on McDaniel's staff. He kind of got passed over mm-hmm. by Belichick for Patricia and Judge. He left. He's been with McVay the last couple of years, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not interested in that either. Because he's, yeah, so he's worked under McVay the last couple of years. But he's not a McVay guy. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not, like, he's not in his DNA. This place is in his DNA. Not good enough. No, 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 no. The next LaFleur, the next Slowick, like that guy. That's got to be the guy, I think. All right, to the calls. Craig in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Craig. Hi. Last Monday, the Patriots made a number of transactions with practice players. And I'm curious who made that transaction and why was it necessary that they do that? It's just indicative of, hey, maybe this is Bill's last transaction that he made, but I'm not sure what happened. Okay, do you know what he's talking about? Yeah, it's guys on the practice squad, you sign them to futures contract. You basically lock them up. Uh, for the next year it's every team does it at the end of the year especially when they're once their season ends those transactions take place I'm sure the head coach has a little to do with it but it's mostly the personnel department it's basically you keep six to eight guys from the practice squad for the next year okay non-story Steve in Boston go ahead Steve hey guys I can't believe you guys haven't talked about this you know John DeCraft is the owner of the Patriots not Bob Bob lost control of the team back remember a couple few years ago you know when when Brady and uh, Bob had, had that meeting and and they, they took away uh, his franchise tag, like they, they put it in writing they weren't going to do the franchise tag with him, I can bet you 100% because it makes no sense that Bob took like took that away without getting something back. 
And I'm pretty sure they negotiated a contract for the future. But then if you remember, like, okay, I'm just going to stop you. Like I, Parsing out John and Robert, I, I I don't know why I have no interest in that. Like, who the hell knows? They're they're in it together. I do think John, uh, and I, I this is just from what I read. I mean, from guys who have been right about a lot of things, like Seth Wickersham or Greg here, is that he's just involved and he's demonstrative, and he made his presence felt here at the end with Bill, and I get the sense he's making his presence felt here in the transition. Who runs a team? I still think it's Robert. He's at the owners' meetings, but we're going to try and parse that out. Are you inside, caller? Like, do you understand? Do you know, like, that dynamic between the father and the son? Why you waste your time with that? It's a package deal, but Jonathan's assertive. That's just where I would put it. Oh, without question. Look, Jonathan's involved, and he's going to be involved. No matter what they say tomorrow, no matter what the other reports are, um, he he is very involved. I mean, you know, I remember at this time last year, I wrote a report saying, like, look, it's not definite that that Bill could be back. Like, the Crafts are pissed, and they need to hear the right thing in this meeting or he could be gone. And, of course, I got a lot of, oh, you're making it up. like And, and you know, what is Wickersham report that Jonathan Kraft was telling people a year ago? This guy's done. He's done. He's, he's out of here. He's, he's got to go. I mean, he's got to go. Like, this has been going on. He's involved. He's going to be involved. If you believe he's not going to be involved, then, you know, I have some swamp land to sell you. And I'll tell you, it'd be interesting optically, and maybe after this past week, where he's gotten so much ink, Jonathan has. Maybe we'll, we'll see tomorrow. But he's he's supposed to be there tomorrow at the press conference. Yes, he's going to be yeah. at the podium or the, at the table. Yeah, at the table. So that's you know they've had so few of these. They've you know so it's really hard to compare it to anything. But you know Jonathan doesn't do the radio thing here with us anymore. Hasn't done that for years. He's really not spoken publicly hardly at all. You know, very very sparingly. If he's taking questions and speaking, I think that's a little bit of a tell of his role in the organization. Agreed. You know, because that will be a departure from what we've had in the past. And again, not that we've had a lot in the past, but he's dialed back publicly in the last several years. And if he sort of comes out tomorrow publicly, I think that, I don't know, you can absolutely glean something into that. And he's a good good guy to talk to. I used to enjoy his spot here with Beetle. Mm-hmm. And you know whoever there uh, in the in the pregame, Beetle and Gasper, and however that was parsed out, you, you would get things there. He would give you insight into their thinking, and it wasn't a bad spot at all. But I don't know why he, you know, pushed back from that. But let's see, let's see how how present and out front he is there tomorrow. Uh, we continue with your calls and thoughts with Greg Bedard after the headlines here. With now more of Felger and Mad now on 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 the Sports Hub. Back with Greg Bedard, usually three up, three down. No sponsor reading the log, so we're going to pass on it since we gave you our season three up, three down already. Oh, boo. Well, you want to do it real quick? Yeah, okay. Fast. Go, Greg. Fine. Three up, three down from uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. Three Eight. studs, three duds from across the league. Three Eight. studs. Aiden Hutchinson from the Lions. He was amazing. Nine total quarterback pressures. Jordan Love. I mean, you know, first playoff game. I mean, pretty smooth mm-hmm. against what was supposed to be a really good defense. He just cut through him. And Puka Nakua. I don't know how he does it. He's slow as hell, but tough, blocks in the running game, strong hands. I mean, he's a bit – I'm trying to compare him to Jacoby Myers, 
But I don't know how that guy wasn't a Patriot. I I just don't. Uh, me too. Perfect Patriot. Go ahead. Matt LaFleur, Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud. And as good as Jordan Love was, every freaking guy was wide open. It was unbelievable. I To me, that game was good about point. The, that, that game was about the call. And I'm taking nothing away from Love. He mm-hmm. showed good presence at the line of scrimmage. He was, he was terrific. I'm going to take it in a second. I think that game was about the head coaches. So, to me, LaFleur had them ready to go. The, they were a game planned on both sides. I thought they, they Green Bay completely coached the pants off of Dallas in that game. Three. I'll give you mine if you don't oh, mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud. Stroud was awesome. He was out of that game with nine minutes to go, and that's supposed to be a really good Browns defense. Mm-hmm. Three duds, go. Uh, Dak Prescott. He was awful. He just choked. He wasn't close to anybody. Uh, his throws were way off during the game. Uh, Austin Jackson. The Dolphins' tackle was a complete turnstile in that game. And James Bradbury, the Eagles' cornerback, gave up 108 yards and a touchdown. He was awful. Matt McCarthy, Joe Haggerty lookalike, and he coached like Joe Hags on the sideline. Don't you mean, don't you mean Mike? Mike, not Matt say? McCarthy. Oh. <laughs> we got all sorts of yeah, You got me all confused. Yeah, no, 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 Mike McCarthy is what I, I meant. Matt Seriously, too. he got completely pants, and that was not a pretty sight to see him without his pants on. For crying out loud, number one, Dak Prescott, number two. I hate picking two from the same game, but veteran quarterback, big game at home. You suck, and Tua, Tua sucked too. He's another one. Talk about someone's uh, stock dropping through the floor. Tua, okay. Tua was my number one down. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles defense and the pair of uh, Prescott and Ceedee Lamb. Okay, there you go. Three up, three down from the weekend. We'll have uh, ten questions, more thoughts around the league coming up as well. Back to your phones, Jim in the car. Hi, Jim. Hey guys, first time, uh, long time. I want to go back to the uh, to the OC job real quick. I don't understand how there's even a remote chance that they could keep Bill O'Brien. I mean, we're talking one of the lowest scoring offenses in the last decade. He's got to go, and I don't feel great about McDaniel's. I'm just curious to hear if anyone out there is interested in him back. But yeah, I I, I think bringing a rookie quarterback into this system is not putting him in the best position. I mean, and I understand Mac Jones. And Josh McDaniels did it. And that was a pretty good rookie year. And so I'm not taking that away. But I still don't think it's the easiest system to come into the world, you know, under, mm-hmm. Greg. It's just, you know, I don't know. Again, the, the Shanahan-McVay thing, it's usually half the field. And it's some sort of designed role or some sort of designed scheme to get a guy open. And that's where they're starting. It feels like in New England, it's... The guy's in the shotgun, and you got to figure out where the leverage is and where the coverage is, and you all got to be on the same page. And it's just, is that what you want to bring this quarterback into the world under? Well, I will say in the defense of those guys, the the Patriots offense does have the capability of bringing a quarterback along slowly. That's what we saw with Mac Jones in year one. Like, he wasn't given, you know, complete controls that's earned and sort of, you know, you expand the playbook from where you start and, and all that. So that's built in. Um, you know, a, a reason to go to uh, McDaniels would be the work that he did with Mac Jones. And basically, like, pretty much any quarterback he's worked with, whether it's like Jacoby Brissett on, like, a short week, like, he's done good work. I understand why certain people feel the way they do about McDaniels. O'Brien, a feather in his cap, would be the work he did with Deshaun Watson in Houston. And, look, the end results this year, I can understand why people feel the way that they do about Bill O'Brien. But do the people internally feel that it was the assistant coaches and the talent and that he was hamstrung? Uh, that could be the case. You know, I, I don't think you could go wrong with either guy. 
I really don't. And I think they're better than what they've shown. Uh, but to me, again, I'm looking at continuity for the young quarterback. If I'm set on taking a quarterback at number three or trading up or what have you, a long-term plan for that quarterback has to be the first thing on the table. And, and how do we do that? And and I, everything you said, you know, uh, noted. It's just if you step back 10,000 feet, teams that finish dead last in the league in scoring, who have the lowest scoring offense in a decade, do not stick with the same coordinator or the same scheme. It's just not done. But then again, teams that bottom out and finish 4-13 and 13, don't completely turn it over to guys already in the building. That's what I was going to say. How many teams that have lost, uh, posted losing seasons three of the last four years and finished four and 13 say, oh, no, we're just going to pr- promote from within? We're going to go to the linebackers coach and the two personnel guys who are here <laughs> and part of the mix over the last five years. Who does that? Patriots. Again, they're just, I, they are smarter than everybody else. They must be. Steve in New Hampshire. Yes, Steve. Yeah, how you guys doing? Good. What do you got? Um, I was just thinking, I've been hearing a lot of rumors and a lot of um, things out there saying Caleb Williams doesn't want to go to Chicago. And even if that, I mean, they still got Justin Fields and Arizona sticking with Kyler. Doesn't that mean it's a very good possibility Caleb drops right on your lap at number three? So let me follow that up with Tony in the car. What are your thoughts on Caleb Williams, Tony in the car? Yeah, I like him. Okay, Tony says, why would teams want Caleb Williams? Crybaby. So is there a possible sort of Jim Murray's department? Well, okay, but to tie those two things together, what are the Bears going to do at one? Does that put you in play for Caleb Williams? Do you want to be in play for Caleb Williams? Okay, well, look, the, we are a long ways off. I, the Bears could entertain trading the pick and doing what have you. But as far as Caleb Williams, and I know some people will be like, you know, there's the, the reports about he's not going to play for Chicago and this and that. Eli Manning and John Elway did the exact same thing. And it didn't hurt them at all. They were just fine. So I, I'm not too worried about that. Th- that part doesn't bother me one bit. No, me neither. That doesn't bother me in the least bit. I mean, it's just like the crying bothers me, but that doesn't. Okay, the crying's different, but trying to leverage yourself to the right team. Eric Lindros. I mean, I like there's just a there's a yeah, bunch of things. It happens in sports. It happens. And if you're that if you're that good, you know, and you feel, it, I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't preclude you from being a great player. I have no problem with that. Uh, the, the other stuff. Yeah, I guess I would still take them. Uh, what, do you have a thought on this, Mass? Well, look, if they, if they get the number one pick, you almost have to take Williams. Like, If you're trading up there, then you're obviously doing it to get Williams. So, like, to me, I, I can't say no to taking him number one overall. I can't. But that said, I was watching the video again in the last 24 hours of him jumping into the stands and crying in his mother's lap. It scares the crap out of it me. It shouldn't. It's not just the immaturity, the moodiness, the weeping, because it's not crying. It's mommy. Two and nine against ranked teams the last couple of seasons. And what's his hand size? Because I saw his fumble numbers. It's 32 fumbles in 36 games. Like, that's a lot of turnovers. I'm sorry. Something about the kid's makeup scares me. Okay, and I say something about his makeup scares me. The ability's there. But, like, I can give you a million guys who had ability and didn't have the makeup and the leadership and the maturity and, you know, the team aspect. Like, it didn't have all of that. And so I... I think they're better off not picking number one in this draft. We continue with your calls in our long commercial-free segment with Greg Bedard next. You. It's Felger and Oh, and don't forget Burry on the Sports Hub. Quick hit to the sideline. we got a third and eight. Josh steps up, and he's going to get the first down. Oh, and there he goes. 
Long uh, Josh Allen TD run last night. If you're watching, people are crying about what Murray? What are they crying about on that? The fake slide. This is on the NFL. This has to be stopped. How's a defender supposed to tackle Josh Allen? <laughs> so predictable. <laughs> so there's really. I was, I was just talking to Greg about it. Like you know, now this divisional game between the Chiefs and Bills, and it's great. But just in terms of like crybaby Patriots fans, there's really no losing because they hate the Bills. They hate Josh Allen. They're obviously terrified of the Chiefs and them being talked about like a better dynasty and Mahomes coming after Brady and all of that. You can't lose here. They, they're they bitchy about both teams. So who do you root for? I don't know. Whoever they're bitching about the most that day. <laughs> a lot of options. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. You can kind of just float with that one day to day. Uh, I have a giveaway for you coming up, so stay tuned for that. I know you like uh, free stuff, so don't leave your radio if you want something. Back to your calls here with Greg, Tony, and Stoneham. Hi, Tony. Hey, how, how you doing? You know, I'm wondering now, is it more Kraft than Belichick's is the problem? How can Kraft appoint this guy, uh, Mayo, as a new coach, get no experience? This isn't like you, he's coming into a situation where he had a good good run or whatever, and he has, to, has some personnel to continue it. He's basically starting from scratch, and he's on defense. And we don't need defensive guy. We need an offensive guy. I'm with so you. I think Kraft is probably bigger problem than Belichick was, and Belichick wanted out of here. Okay. Well, I don't agree that Kraft's a bigger problem than Bill. Not even close. I just think the Krafts deserve their share of scrutiny, which not enough people give them. But either way, why are they going to Gerard Mayo? It's a great question. I mean, you know, look, they, they obviously think a lot of them. I, I don't disagree with that. Everybody that you talk to around them is just like, he's going to be a great head coach someday uh they just weren't sure when and if you know look if you think you got the guy why not get him in there early sort of learn on the fly that would be their thinking but like let's make no mistake about this if if this doesn't go well the transition to mayo and whoever the crafts are going to be on the hook for this they are now on the line they have decided this is the best way to move forward i can understand them in their mind thinking like okay you know, Bill's going to need two, maybe three years to pass Shula. We're, we're, you know, we're building this back up. We got Billy O'Brien back in the building, you know, all this stuff. When we hand it off, when he decides to take a step back, we, we want to promote continuity. This is best. Our program's on the upswing. We want to keep it going. This season completely blew up in everybody's faces. And instead of changing, instead of taking a beat and saying, like, is this really in the best interest of this football team? They just decided, no. We're going to keep going. But they are on the hook. And now, you guys used to love the scoreboard. Brady, Belichick, after they broke up. Sure. Now it's Mayo, Vrabel, Belichick. Now we get to keep score. 
Looking I, forward to it. I mean, I said this yesterday. I think it's pretty simple. Young, controllable, we'll work with them. You know what I mean? I, I, inexperienced, right? So, and I'm not dumping on Mayo. Anybody in that with that profile would be controllable by ownership because he's he's new to the job. He's going to try to keep the owners happy. So that's why they picked him. They're tired of working with the Parcells and the Belichicks of the world whom they've spent the large majority of their ownership with. They want their team back, which I hate. I hate. I can't stand that. Kevin in Maine. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys would feel about uh, Justin Fields' trade, uh, maybe back to Justin, and then uh, draft him out in Harrison Jr. Okay, so, like, that's it. I mean, I just want to get ready to talk about this for four months. Other than the Mac for Fields part. Okay, I, is that, I, that's what he said? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but whatever. Jaden Daniels or Drake May, one of those two guys who's going to be a tweener at three. Because don't tell me you're going one, two, three, a quarterback, and the one, two, three are all going to be good. You know, that's, you know, you're kind of reachy there because you're desperate for a quarterback and you're sitting at three, and a guy kind of makes sense at three, but is he really worth the third pick? So anytime there's the third of three quarterbacks, he's a reach at three. Sorry, by definition. Just like Fields was a reach at four and Mac Jones was a reach at five. You were just horny for a quarterback and they were sitting there. So they, those were reaches. Reach at three at quarterback or take the receiver and get the quarterback somewhere else? Fields. It's, it's such a massive decision. It is. It's huge. And I don't think they have anyone there to make it. But you say Justin Fields? Yeah. I would go Fields instead of the guy at three. Me too. Yeah. I, I, I don't want anything to do with Fields. Why well, not? To, to this point, he hasn't shown that he can throw the ball well enough from the pocket. Um, now, again, these are some of the same things that we said about Josh Allen. You know, So you never know. And I haven't studied him that closely. But from what I've seen of him... And his and his record and the, that Bears team wasn't that bad and they were on the upswing and I don't know I just don't I'm not a Fields guy I am I would take him I thought there was a significant uptick in that team in the second half of the season and so look it does, the the you know the rate of growth is not the same for every single player at every single position it's just different and so what's it going to be if you take a guy at two or three and then you put three years into him and he still sucks. I would rather take the chance. I I think Justin Fields can play in the league. Can he be? Can he take you to the playoffs in a Super Bowl? I don't know, but I think he can play in the league. Odds are, whoever you take at three, if you take him at three, is going to suck. The historical odds, and it's not even close. Real quick, I just did this before I came in. You want the quarterbacks drafted in the top five the last ten years? So there's only eighteen guys. Okay. 18 quarterbacks have been drafted in the top five okay. the last 10 years. I just did 10 years as an even sample, 10 years. Here they are. Ready? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, uh, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles. Those 18 guys. Of those 18 who would you feel good about having drafted in the top five? Stroud. Burrow, for sure. Yeah, Burrow. For Stroud sure. and Burrow are on my list. Uh, you read them so damn fast. I know, yeah. You have to go slower. Trevor Lawrence? No. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Kyler Murray? Yes. No. 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 Jared Goff? Yes. No. 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 Tua Tungavailoa? No. Nope. No. I don't know who else to even ask you about. 
Carson Wentz. No. No. Hell what no. do you want? Crack? Baker Mayfield. No. No. He's on his like fifteen. Maybe. Exactly. He's, okay, that's fair. He's on a nice run. I like him right now. Though. And maybe it took a long time, but don't tell me you draft someone number one overall. You're okay waiting seven years and four teams later. No, that's a it's uh, a legitimate point. <laughs> so I, I go through some of those other suck names. This is fun. Okay, uh, Bryce Young. No. No. C.J. Stroud. Yes. yes. Anthony Richardson. Yes. Maybe. No. Not yet. Too early. No. He got hurt. We don't know yet. No. Maybe. Trevor Lawrence. No. Yes. 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 Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. No, no. no. Okay. No, no. Burrow, yes. Tua, no. Kyler? No. 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 I'm a yes. But... Baker, no. Sam Darnold, no. Trubisky, no. Goff, no. Wentz, no. Winston, no. Mariota, no. Blake Bortles, no. All right. Of the 18 guys who've been drafted in the top five the last 10 years. Four or five of them. Three. Ooh. I mean, I have Stroud. Yeah, I, I, I like three. Stroud, Lawrence, and Burrow. And we've disagreed on a few, but none of us have more than three guys. Three out of 18. Wow, that's Not low. great. Whoever you draft is going to suck. 16%. He's going to suck. He's not going to be good enough. Odds are, unless you catch, unless you're one of the three of 18, that's what percent, Maz? 16.7. Unless, unless, you're, unless you're one of the one and a half teams out of 10 that get it right. Unless you're, unless you're lucky, in other words, this quarterback is not going to be good enough. Who's going to be the guy internally to say we shouldn't draft him, he's not going to work out? There's no one there. You have no one there to make that call. No one. Or no one there to say, this guy's going to buck the odds. This is the guy. This is one of the few that's going to work. Because I know you don't have anyone there to make that call. And it should scare the crap out of you. It should scare the crap out of you. Again, I'm hoping it's Wolf. And Is he in his 40s, Greg? Uh, Whatever. What does it matter? Because it means he's been around a little while. Late 30s, early 40s. I don't mean there. to snap. No, Sorry. it's fine. That's I'm why just, it matters. I, I'm, annoyed by the whole, I'm annoyed by the number of people who are geeked up by a high draft pick. You should be annoyed. If you have a high draft pick and you need a quarterback, you know what that means? You're porked. You're effed. Unless you get lucky. You need to get as lucky up there as you do down in the fourth round or the sixth round or wherever you are. It's luck. And it means you're a lousy franchise. Any of these quarterbacks I mentioned, the teams that were drafting them, Carolina, Houston, Indy, the Jags, the Jets, Cincinnati, Arizona, Cleveland, the Jets again, Chicago, the garbage franchises. When you draft up here, you know what you are? You're garbage. Other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Please play responsibly. Call 800-426-2537 for help. Think you know sports? Then try to turn your sports knowledge into real money with the Sleeper app, the ultimate fantasy sports app that can turn game day into payday. With up to 100 times payout and your first deposit matched up to $500. Just download the Sleeper app and pick your favorite sports and players, like Dak Prescott's passing yards. With more stats than any sports app, just choose two or more of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less from the predicted stats and ka-ching. You could win up to 100 times your money if your pick wins. With the Sleeper app, you can make picks anytime, even after the game starts, with up to 100 times payout. What are you waiting for? Download Sleeper today and unlock one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports apps in the world. Just go to the App Store, download the Sleeper app today, and use code SPORTS for up to $500 match on your first deposit. That's promo code SPORTS. Pod Studios.
Now, the show you'll be talking about. That was not me having an on. In therapy. Socks! Socks, stop, stupid socks. It's Felger and Mass, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. So, here's an interesting one. Jordan Schultz, friend and reporter, said, One rival executive told me this week, if the Cowboys lost to the Packers, and they didn't just lose, <laughs> it was beyond just losing. He thought Jerry would go after Belichick to replace Mike McCarthy. There's another story today that Belichick and the Falcons have mutual interest. I'm going to be totally honest. Atlanta's the better job. It's the better job. You have no meddling owner. You're not paying a fortune for an average quarterback. You have good offensive talent, most of it cheap, and it's a much weaker division. Dak's contract is going to limit this roster. You're going to be over $100 million in in a year and a half to Micah, Dak, and C.D. Lamb. Three dudes. Atlanta's got kids. And it's much easier to me to build something in Atlanta. You just got to get the quarterback right. Well, Colin, that's hard. It's not that hard. It's a great quarterback draft, and you're drafting near the top. But Jerry loves Dak. So Jerry's going to pay Dak Mahomes money. And it becomes, let's be honest, it becomes a Russell Wilson situation. You have this gigantic boulder on your shoulders. So I, I don't think Bill's going to love Jerry's weekly Monday radio hits that he has to answer to. That's another factor. Jerry's enormous ego gets in the way a lot, and Dak's enormous contract is going to get in the way of lot. Colin Coward yesterday on who Bill Belichick should choose, the Atlanta Falcons or the Dallas Cowboys. It was reported last night by the Atlanta Falcons themselves that Belichick has already interviewed with Arthur Blank down there in Georgia or wherever the heck they were. Greg, your thoughts on Bill Belichick and where he goes? I think that he has Atlanta in his back pocket, and he is waiting to see what happens with Dallas and the Eagles. I think his preference would be Dallas. I can't. No one's told me this. Uh, just because I think that the personnel situation there is good. Now, look, there's a lot of they have a lot of issues coming up um, in terms of contracts and cap and stuff like that. But um, I just think I just think it's a better spot for him. I think that he would he would look at that, and I think the Joneses would give him some latitude and and you know give him some input. They they worked well with their other coaches, including Bill Parcells, and so to me, I think that's the best spot. That would be a wet dream. Are you kidding me? Seriously, Belichick in Dallas. And in fact, I'm hoping that we find out that the thing is coming together tomorrow while Mayo's doing his press conference. <laughs> is that a dick comment? Like, uh, you know, uh, that's the spot. How can you not want that? About- you got to think he's, he loves the history of it, too. Sorry to cut you no. off. But, you know, just like, you know, some of the names that have coached there from Landry to Jimmy Johnson. Parcells has been there. Belichick with the Cowboys. You know he'd get off on that. How about Philly? Yeah, I think that's a good yeah, spot, too. Yeah, that would work, too. Sure. Damn straight. Yeah, he'll fix that defense, too. I mean, again, I, I, you know, if I were him, I would put some emphasis on going to a place that has, you know, a lot of the offensive weapons set up already, and then I know I can fix the defense if I'm Belichick. So Philadelphia and Dallas are at the top of the list, if you ask me. Like, that, that is perfect for him, and he gets, you know, he gets the – I, I don't want to just say the NFC East, but the East Coast history sort of thing that goes along with it. So that's what I'm sort of looking at. I mean, there's pure football things, which there might be a lot of reasons to go to Atlanta, football-wise. Younger roster, more cost-controlled roster. 
Uh, it's a roster that's coming up versus, you know, Eagles and Cowboys are right now, and then they're going to be on the way down. Well, whatever. Or the speed or whatever you, you know, the technical football thing you want to throw at me. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on as a fan of the league and someone who's interested in juice. There's no juice in Atlanta. None. Zero. Bill Belichick in the NFC East. That Now we're talking in those big games right out of the chute with championship expectations on teams that matter. The Falcons matter to no one, not even the people in Atlanta. What a waste that would be. It'd just be a waste of whatever currency Bill Belichick and his name value has to go to Atlanta. Football might make the most sense. I don't care about that. I care about the, the mar- buzz, the, the story. The marquee, yeah. app, the story, 100%. Dallas. I mean, like, seriously, that is freaking made for TV. And the whole thing, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it again. The, the meddlesome owner, you know, it's not going to be a problem because Bill knows it going in. And it's all up front. Jerry Jones and his kid, they wear it on their sleeves. They wear it in their title, and they answer to it. And I, I think, and I can't speak for Bill, obviously, but I wonder if that's more palatable than some of these owners who pretend to be hands-off, don't put their nuts out there or their name out there, but yet are got their finger in every little thing inside, which is what the crafts might be, but they don't want to answer to it. They want to pretend like, no, we don't make out. No, we're not involved in football. We don't. No, that's Bill. We, we, we're totally hands-off. Meanwhile, inside, they're doing all sorts of this and that, but they won't answer for it. And I wonder, I think Philly's like that too, by the way, where Lurie never talks. And uh, from what I understand, is inside, thinks he runs the show. No, and, him and Howie. Like, and, well, him in, in concert. Well, I mean, but at least Howie has the title. The whole, right. And, and he does talk. And Laurie doesn't. He talks. Oh, no. no. I, Howie does. Yeah, Howie does. No, yeah. but, but what, what I've spoken to, and I, I just have, is that Laurie thinks he runs the show. I mean, he does as an owner, but like involved in football decisions. He's mm-hmm. got a kid that's coming up that he just put in the organization. Laurie did. Yet he doesn't talk to the media. And it's like, okay, well, Jones has this reputation of being a big meddlesome owner, but it, at least I know that going in. And at least he owns it. Literally and figuratively. He answers questions every week as the general manager of the team. So, yeah, I don't want the owner involved, but at least I know what I'm getting. And no one's hiding from it or, you know, being fraudulent about it. We're in Philadelphia or here, maybe, you know what I mean? So maybe that would be refreshing for Bill. Like, at least this owner's involved too, but at least he owns it. You know, I don't know. So, but the whole point is about the Jerry Jones radio spot and the Jerry Jones title. He knows that going in. So how could it be a problem? If it's a problem, he won't take the job. I would think. So we'll see. Stay- it, it's so it's a good point though, Mike. It, it, if he's upset with it after he gets there, it's on him. Yeah, right. It's on him. Yeah, I mean, what you don't like the owner's radio interview? What you just found that out? No, he's been doing it for twenty years. Uh, Charlie and Smithfield, Charlie, what do you got for us on the Pats? I uh, I think that they'd be crazy to uh, draft a quarterback in, in at number three. I'd much rather see them take the Harrison kid and get the Penix kid in the top of the second. I mean, to me, the the Caleb the the kid from USC, he's a crybaby. What would you take him for? It makes no sense. We already had one of them. Okay, what do you mean it means no sense? He's a best quarterback on the board. And you need a quarterback. Of course, it makes a certain amount of sense. It's just statistically, historically, he's probably going to suck because most guys drafted up there suck. And most teams don't have the luxury of taking the right approach with them, where if he might not be totally ready to sit him for a year or two, if that's what it takes, 
So you're not throwing him out there early, and then his confidence is getting shattered, or he's getting sped up, or he's doing all sorts of bad habits, or he's, you know, has the pressure of the fan base and the expectations, and the next thing you know, all that conspires. And by the time he gets to year two or year three, he's a shell of what he was coming out of college. It's like, it's just such a bad recipe. As you see teams fall into it over and over and over again, and congratulations, you're it. Your turn. So what are you going to do with that? Like, how are you going to handle that? As you can tell, I feel strongly about it. The number of fans that get geeked up about losing and tanking and getting a high pick, like, okay, we're back. Like, no, no, hate to break it to you. It means you suck. It means you're a bad franchise. And I hate to break it to you. The next quarterback's probably going to suck, especially if you reach because you need him and especially if you play him too soon. And especially if your head coach is a linebacker who just got his first job after five years on a staff that has won nothing. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's set up. Sam in the car. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this idea, this report, that the Patriots are going to wait potentially to hire a GM until after the draft. And that, to me, is just a huge indicator that Kraft has already made his mind up. He wants to go get Caleb Williams or do whatever he's going to want to do. And to your point, Felger, he doesn't want anyone in the room to tell him no or to be that voice of reason because he's already made his mind up. So I think it's a huge problem. And uh, it's just a very concerning idea that he's not going to hire a GM until after the draft. So, again, Greg, as I said before, you correct me if I'm wrong. The thing about keeping guys on staff through the draft happens all the time. Yep. Like you, you, that's, and I think the personnel guys' contracts run through the, through the draft specifically for that reason. You know, a new GM takes over after the season. Well, he can't. All the scouting's in just it's about. done, right? right? So like, college season's over, like all of it. You've got to use the existing guys' reports and their film study and all of that. And so you keep those guys on, and then you release them after the draft. Bobby Greer got released after the draft in 2000. But not to hire a guy, that's different. Like, you can still hire a guy mm-hmm. and have him use the existing reports and then, you know, clean house after the fact. So the fact that they're not even going to do that, it, I, it concerns me. Yeah, normally what happens is you keep a bulk of the staff through the draft. They've been working. They've been out on the road. They have their reports and all that stuff. You bring somebody in up above – Normally, they they might bring a a person or two with them. They work with the staff that's there. But remember, these people, like say they came from San Francisco or Baltimore or something, they have their own perspective. They they know what that organization felt about certain players. And maybe that organization has better intel on Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels that they, you know, they have these guys on the LSU staff or, or whatever. Right. And so those guys could, you, it's, it's the best of both worlds where you could, you not only have the work that your guys have done. And, and I think a lot of those guys are top notch that the Patriots have, even though it's a small staff, but you also have the perspective of another team that I don't know, could be better at drafting than you. No, Maybe a wide receiver. No, no, no. They have all the answers here. I've read the books. I read the Jeff Benedict book. It's the same business philosophies that they use in all their successful businesses. Why would they want outside input? They have the answers. It's about the system. And that was sarcasm in case you uh, couldn't tell. Here's a a word from our spot. Oh, listen. You want something for free? How about this? Uh, Caller number 10 to the contest line, 617-931-0985. We'll score a pair of tickets to the taping of episode four of Cue the Memories. It's a podcast recording with former Bruins, Cam Neely and Bob Sweeney. This Friday, January 19th at the Kowloon in Saugus. Presented by Coors Banquet. Raise a banquet to 100 years of Bruins hockey. Coors Banquet, official partner of the Boston Bruins. 
Well, that's kind of a cool thing. Call number 10 to the contest line, 617-931-0985. Is this just by Coors? Or it's, Coors is known as a banquet beer. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. The banquet beer, Yeah, right? the regular one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, so they call that Coors Banquet? They still do. Okay, they should. Anyway, there's that. Uh, 10 questions with the big boy right after this. to ask the question. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, 10 questions, uh, seven minutes. We've got to be quick. Uh, I'm late. Go ahead, Kevin. What are options? So look, all I'm telling you is you might be right. You also might be wrong. Very astute analysis there, Max. Next. Ask the question, Bert. Jesus, Bert. Spit it out. Next. I'd suspend him for that. That Suspended. Come on. Suspended. Suspend. Come on. Pasternak's been playing like a complete a-hole for about two weeks. Suspend him. Next. So why throw away a distress? You don't move on from a distressed asset. Mm. asset. What's that word? Distressed. Distressed. Next. Last one. Who's the only offensive coordinator that had sex success <laughs> had success with Matt Jones? Tinky. <laughs> Hit it. So, look, all I'm telling you is you might be right. You also might be wrong. Number 10, if Mike Tomlin leaves the Steelers, give me a good landing spot for him. Washington. He's from the area. I think he'd fit in nicely there. Seattle. I don't know. He just seems to me to feel like that feels like a Seattle kind of coach. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's Dallas. I mean, Belichick could obviously tighten the screws there, but he could do the same thing, and he's younger and more relatable. Next. Ask the question, Bert. Who should be the next coach of the Steelers if he leaves? Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. The team who drafted him, Mike Vrabel, goes back. Vrabel. That'd be awesome. Does he not fit the mold? Oh, perfect. Central casting. Next. I'd suspend him for that. Suspended. Come on. Suspended. Would you come on? Stand by it. Who should be the Steelers' next quarterback? Anybody. Those guys stink. I mean, I don't care. Go get Maz's guy in Chicago. I don't care who they get. Just not any of those guys. Baker Mayfield. Kirk Cousins. Justin Fields is the answer. Well, that's a good one, too. He'd be a good Steelers quarterback. Because you know what? Someone with some grit. Yeah, let me tell you. And I, I don't know if Fields quite has it. Uh, maybe he does. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, but the Steelers don't need too good of a quarterback. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's not a, the Steelers quarterback is not a pinpoint accurate finesse, fancy pants, you know, pure pat. You know, he's no, he's got to be someone with some grit, grit, size, running. He's not great. And Bradshaw wasn't even great. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, balls. He has to balls. He can't be too good. Because otherwise, he doesn't make sense as a Steelers quarterback. Next, so why throw away a distress? You don't move on from a distressed asset. You <laughs> distressed. Number seven. How do we explain the Buccaneers being better this year with Baker Mayfield than they were last year with Tom Brady? How do we explain that, Greg? It's a great question. Thank I looked you. at all the stats, uh, and I only come up with two things. Number one, um, Super Bowl hangover. Was was a big part of last year that you know outside of Brady, those guys didn't know how to deal with success. But also the schedule, the the Bucks last year played the eighth toughest schedule. This year they played the twenty fourth. Uh, the quarterback cared. 
That that would be my explanation. So you're going quarterback on that. The reason they're better this year is quarterback. Yeah, Brady had checked out. It was over. And that's out. That's because of the divorce. You know, Baker Mayfield didn't have to trudge through a season miserable because of a divorce. Brady was miserable last year. It permeated the team. Chris Godwin said something last night, or has like even going into the wild card round, like we're a happier team this time around. The team was miserable last year. Yeah, Brady checked out. He was done. Interesting. So he did that to two teams. Yeah, and, yeah. May, and Mayfield's playing for his career. He's got, you know free agent, playing for a contract, all that good stuff. So why are the Bucks better this year with Baker Mayfield? Field than they were last year with Tom Brady and you two answer, including you, Murray, quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Good answer. Next. Who's the only offensive coordinator that had sex success <laughs> had success with Matt Jones? Pinky. All right. Uh, how do we explain part two? How do we explain to dumb Lemming Patriots fans how teams like the Buccaneers and Rams, how do we explain how they've been able to bounce back and win despite stays in cap jail? While the fiscally conservative Patriots have dropped to the bottom of the league. How do we explain that? Well, the scoreboard first and foremost. But really, it's it's about now it's about being creative with your cap and how you construct contracts. And I don't mean per game active roster bonuses. Talent wins. Cap is crap. Thank you. Cap is fake. And if you want to spend money in the NFL, you can. You just got to be willing to do it. We explain it by saying you've been lied to. You've been fed a myth by the team and with the help of the local media that propagate this thing about the salary cap and stupid teams leverage themselves, and we don't want to be that kind of team that spends big and then has to dip, and that's no way to run an operation. It was a lie. It was a myth. Because you've dropped to the bottom of the league while being fiscally conservative, and teams like the Buccaneers and Rams, who were supposed to be in cap jail, have kept winning. So why is that? Because the cap is utter bullcrap, and that thing fed to you was a myth. Do you understand it yet? Do you realize it? Nope. Next. So, look, all I'm telling you is you might be right. You also might be wrong. <laughs> Truest thing <laughs> ever is, said. That, that right. is, you know, you that's nailed insightful. it. insightful. It is. Tool bag question. Who was the biggest tool bag from Super Wild Card Weekend, Greg? Jerry. I mean, he got he get, every year he gets his hopes up. He thinks that's going to be the year. Then they fall flat, flat on his face, and then he, he looks like he's going to cry in his postgame press conference. It's just it's hilarious to me. Joe Haggerty, i.e. Mike McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You freaking tool. Uh, you got completely pantsed. I will go with Mike Tarico, who took a few minutes to be a complete whore and make the pigs at the network and that run the NFL happy by gloating about the streaming numbers. Oh, what? This is our moment. Peacock, 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 peacock right in your face. Oh, this is the best stream. All these numbers. That was repulsive. Next. Ask the question, Bert. What would you do in Miami to take the next step? I would stay the course. I would just feel like, look, it's success in the NFL is not overnight. Like they, they keep taking steps. They got to get tougher. They need to get better up front on, on the offensive line. And I know they have the whole Tua thing, his contract, but uh, there are ways around that. And I think they just need to continue just to get better. Big physical tight end. They need, they need a tight end in that offense. They got to control the middle of the field. It's a perimeter passing game. So I, I'm good with the offensive line too, but their offense has to get more physical and they got to get better in the middle of the field. Send Hawaiian Mac Jones packing and uh, go trade for Justin Fields or sign Baker Mayfield. So that's, uh, that's an upgrade from Tua, you think? Yeah, he's terrible. Okay. But Baker Mayfield's good. He is right now. Okay. Might be okay in that offense. He won't be good next week, though. And, he, and he's a righty. <laughs> No left. Ah, fair yeah. enough. Next. I'd suspend him for that. That was Suspended. Come on. <laughs> suspended. Would you come on? Who stands out in that Eagles collapse last night? Just that the Eagles are one of these. Who? Uh, 
the, uh, the losing both coordinators that that did them in in the offseason to head you know head coaching jobs. They still, they just thought they were the smartest people in the room and they could just replace. I was them asking for the Belichick. name of a person. Still feels like Sorry. a what to me? Yeah, exactly. Who who stands out? Hurts. Hurts. The biggest difference in that team is the play of Jalen Hurts from year one to year two. The other one I'd throw on there is Patricia, but that's a cheap shot. Well, who put him in that position? The dork head coach, Nick Sirianni. Losing those assistants, he's lost all control of that locker room. And it seems like the team hates the quarterback, too, but that's ultimately the coach's problem. Thoughts on Patricia, Big Jim? Oh, it's the best. Wherever he goes, he's the ruiner. It's it's the absolute best. They got. I mean, they suck, and they can't tackle anyway, but they made him the defensive coordinator, and it even got worse. Someone who was uh, who is it on ESPN? The former quarterback, the Lions, uh, former quarterback there, or, uh, Orlovsky? Orlovsky. Yeah, he had tweeted today. He said that the the tapes even worse on the Eagles defense, having watched it today. Like they they should have the Bucks should have put up like forty points on them last night. Next. I don't know why I didn't notice till last night or notice it, but Patricia slimmed down. He oh, lost yeah? some weight. He looks like he's on Ozempic or something. Oh yeah, yeah, he's lost weight. He looks decent. Next. So why throw away a distress? You don't. Move on from a distester asset. You'd- <laughs> Number two, rank and order the eight remaining quarterbacks in the playoffs, please, Greg. Mahomes, Allen, Lamar. <laughs> I can't read my handwriting on this one. But Love, Stroud, Goff, Baker. I was missing somebody. Who did Brock I Purdy. Purdy. Oh, Purdy. I put Purdy um, after Lamar. So Purdy's fourth. Yeah. Okay. Mahomes, Allen. Jackson, Stroud, Love, Purdy, Goff, Mayfield. Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Love, Stroud, Goff, Mayfield, Purdy. Wow. <laughs> you don't like Purdy. No, I can't stand him. Next. Who's the only offensive coordinator that had sex success <laughs> had success with Matt Jones? Thinking. Rank in order the eight remaining coaches left in the playoffs, please. Shanahan, Reed, Harbaugh. LaFleur, D'Amico Ryans, Campbell, Bowles, Sean McDermott. I screwed up. I did teams, not coaches. Oh, yes. <laughs> Reed, Harbaugh, Dan Campbell, LaFleur, Ryans, Shanahan, Al-Qaeda loving Sean McDermott, Todd Bowles. <laughs> Bowles definitely is. <laughs> Shanahan six, Jim. Yeah, I hate him too. <laughs> I hate the Niners. I, they, I pray that they lose this weekend. I was going to say, I think your list became personal for you. Yeah, it's my list. <laughs> this is shocking to you. Well, that makes sense. It's good logic. All right, back to your calls uh, with Big uh, with Big Jim uh, and Greg Bedard and Mass. Right after these words, after the headlines. Driving you home and driving you crazy. No one has any idea what the hell that means, but that's what that means. It's Belger and Mass on the Sports Hub. Good receivers now in motion. Moore trips to the right side. Here comes pressure. Baker Mayfield steps up, throws it up. It's a caught ball inside the thirty, outside the numbers. David Moore to the twenty. David Moore to the fifteen. Moore still on his feet to the five. To the three touchdown Tampa Bay. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Fire the carriage. Bucks lead nine to nothing. Yeah, I tell you, great protection for Mayfield. That's what he didn't have the first game, and he waits on a long crossing route. Defender slips and falls down. David Moore wide open, but Mayfield has enough time to get it to him. And then after that, he does a great job of making defenders miss. Gets a couple good blocks, one by Mike Evans. 44-yard catch and a great run after by David Moore, a brand-new Buccaneer in 2023. 10-0 Bucks. Another example of just atrocious defense and tackling from the Eagles last night. Oh. Early email of the day, I, I asked Greg earlier, 
How how do you explain that the Buccaneers are better with Baker Mayfield at quarterback than Tom Brady? And one of Greg's answers was a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, email from David, subject line, Super Bowl hangover, Greg, you idiot. How could the Bucs have Thank a Super how could the Bucks have had a Super Bowl hangover last year? They had a hangover from a Super Bowl two seasons earlier? They won the 2021 Super Bowl. We're talking about the 22-23 season. That's like saying I have a hangover right now from drinking a bottle of vodka Sunday night. I have one from drinking six years ago. Nothing worse than the second-day hangover, man. The second-day hangover is a killer. It's coming in a couple of weeks. Prepare. <laughs> <laughs> the second-day hangover is deep in your bones. It lingers. It's not as overt. It's not here. At the top of your head, it's like all over. So that, so that's what you meant to say. They're suffering a second day hangover, Greg. The, yeah, an extended hand, yeah, hangover. Extended Sometimes hangover, when yeah. you get these, yeah. when you get these teams that come out of nowhere, and these players who aren't used to it, not used to sustained sustained success, it just it was a you, delayed reaction hangover. Yeah, it's yeah. you know lethargy sets in in the organization and all that. It's just there's it, and it just goes on for multiple years over time. I blame Brady. And Giselle. I mean, I do. I love the. Uh, I mean, I do too. I'm the answer fans. being quarterback. I'm, Interesting. I'm so with Murray. You watch Taylor Swift's going to take down the Chiefs. Jack in Connecticut. Hi, Jack. Hi. I was wondering if we woke up today to a bull market for Bill Belichick, but we have no possibility of Sean Payton picks like last year because we rushed to have a press conference last week to let Bill Belichick go. I don't think. I don't agree with you, Jack. You had no leverage. Bill was not going to agree agree to a trade. The, Pat, the Pats had no recourse, no leverage, other than to wait, other than to play this waiting game that would have hurt them worse than it hurt Bill Belichick. Otherwise, and even still, there was no guarantee they could swing a trade because Bill had to play along with it. All Bill had to say was that I'm not going to report to that team. I, you can't trade a coach like you trade a player. So they had no leverage. You should have known that for months. A trade was never in play. It was never going to be in play unless Bill let it happen. He wasn't going to let it happen. And people are delu. I can't believe people are still delusional about what kind of value Bill Belichick had on the trade market. Well, I don't agree with you there. First round pick? You think they were getting a first round pick like Sean Payton? I doubt it. But coming off a four and thirteen season and the calamity that was here, obviously Arthur Blank's all horned up for him. So if it if if it took Arthur Blank, if it took a first round pick for Arthur Blank to get Bill Belichick, I to me. I think that would have been possible. No way. But Bill had to play along. There's no way. It, why don't this is what I don't understand? Why you don't get this caller? I don't mean to yell at you or anybody else. But Bill would say to Arthur Blank, "Don't give up a draft pick. Robert has to fire me." And at which point Arthur Blank says, "I'm not giving you a draft pick." And which at which point Kraft says, "Okay, then Bill's not fired." And now Bill's showing up to work every day in the building, starting to put a staff together for next year or personnel decisions for next year, it, when you want to fire him, it's untenable. It never would have worked. You needed Bill's cooperation, and he wasn't giving it to you. You weren't going to be able to trade him. I think they would have gotten something for him. I think it's obvious now with the number of teams that I think are going to be involved. Wouldn't have been a first. He likened it to Sean Payton. It's, uh, the, the guy's 13 years older coming off of 4-13. and 13. Well, but Sean Payton walked away, and the, the Saints had his rights. Correct. You're firing Belichick. That is not the same. I don't know why people don't get yeah, that. And he wanted to be here at the end of the day. The only way this would have worked is is the way Seattle has done it with Pete Carroll. So they announced Pete Carroll is now going to be an advisor, so he, st- he still is under contract. So the Seahawks can now go about their business. You know, John Schneider had a press conference today. And then if somebody wants to call up and say, hey, can we talk to Pete? And then he ends up getting hired as a head coach. Then they work out compensation because he's still under contract. But Pete's playing ball. Because Pete Bill's not going to play ball. Exactly. Never in a million years. Exactly right. Uh, Mike in Dartmouth with a question for Greg. What is it, Mike? 
Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> a question for Greg kind of goes along with your point, uh, the 2 o'clock hour, Felger. Uh, if I were pulling the strings for the Pats this year, uh, I don't draft a quarterback round one. Uh, I go with Marvin Harrison at three because uh, he's the biggest, quote-unquote, sure thing talent in this year's draft for one. But number two, uh, more importantly, I think you, you draft the quarterback next year because you're not going to be good, obviously, right? So you get Shader Sanders next year because uh, I think he's the one that, that might uh, be the one to save us. Okay, Mike, uh, odds are statistically he's going to suck too. If he's drafted up high, he's going to suck. By the way, down lower, he's probably going to suck. On on the quarterback thing, just, you know, and a lot of people are pointing this out to me, that uh, seven of the eight quarterbacks that that uh, were in the playoffs or won no, this weekend, they were all they were all first-round picks, other than, you know, the Steelers didn't have a, a first round. So people are saying you have to get them in the first round. Um you know, but the Patriots can go in in a bunch of different directions. One thing I, I've come to believe watching the NFL this year, especially um, since the Patriots weren't any good, uh, and I heard Mike Lombardi talking about this. I I now think this league at the quarterback position is now more about the secondary play than ever. And the problem with the Patriots' offensive scheme is it's all predicated on the first movement, the first the first read in the pocket. You know that that the guys get to the top of the rock, top of the drop, get rid of it. But all these other quarterbacks that are making plays, it's all like secondary reactions, out of the pocket, late in the down, stuff like that. Yep. And that's now where the game is going. And I and look. Here's the thing about the Patriots and Gerard Mayo and what's going on. You talk about waiting till next year to get a quarterback. Hell no. They Gerard Mayo is their guy. They are going to do everything in their power to make him successful. I expect a humongous free agency period for them. I expect them to be very aggressive as far as drafting. They are going to get a quarterback somewhere. They are not going four and thirteen next year. I can tell you that much. And and expect the the, the wallet to be open for Gerard Mayo. I would agree with that. They have to. I mean, you can't blame Bill for the lack of spending, mm-hmm. and then kick Bill out the door and still not spend. So they've got to follow through on that on that facade that Bill actually prevented them from spending. So they've got to prove that to you, and they will. They will prove it to you this year, or try to, give it window dressing. They will spend this year, no doubt about it. And I'm not telling you not to draft a quarterback in the first round. I'm just telling you that if you're one of these suck franchises, which unfortunately is what you are, because when you get to this point in the draft, you're trash. It's no master plan. It's nothing to be proud of. They don't teach you at Harvard Business School, oh, your company's struggling. Here's an idea. Go bankrupt and then let the government bail you out and come out on the other side. That well, that takes a real genius. So there's no genius. There's no forethought. There's nothing uh, admirable about rebuilding your team by just sucking so hard you have a, a high draft pick. But anyway, when you're one of those teams, it still doesn't work. When you're one of these lousy franchises that drafts in the top three and you need a quarterback and you take a quarterback up there, statistically speaking... Way more often than not, it doesn't work. And I just gave you I just gave you the 18 guys drafted in the top five over the last 10 years. Only three of them are what you would consider franchise quarterbacks. And even a couple of those are, you know, do you consider Trevor Lawrence a franchise quarterback? Some of you don't. So I'm just telling you. So it's partly circumstance, too. It's like, you suck. You're a bad organization. You're drafting high. You need a quarterback. And you just sort of reach and then you play them too soon and it all sort of conspires and it's just it's just not a winning formula it's not it's not where you want to be and you got it you got to be smarter than everybody to navigate that unless you get lucky 
And I, I, I don't know where the brain power is coming from down there. I don't. More of your thoughts in a long commercial-free segment next. Belger and Maz continue on the Sports Hub. I think it's fair to keep the foundation in place. Again, you're two years removed from a playoff season with a rookie quarterback that fell apart down the stretch. You've had a lot of bad signings, a lot of bad drafts. But when you incorporate stuff like I just mentioned, you know, some more tracking data or different models or analytics that can help you out that have vaulted the Eagles ahead or other franchises like that, the Browns, then I think you can kind of catch up. But as far as what they believe in, smart, tough, good under pressure, I mean, that's, that's, that's Belichick stuff. That's stuff that works, that can still work if you just update your processes to catch up and find out better ways to find those guys. Andrew Callahan again from uh, Toucher and Hardy this morning. Catch the full interview at 98.5thesportshub.com or the app. And sort of defending the Patriots, you know, direction here, which is just staying in-house with their coach, with their personnel people, who, who knows what else. And that he says a lot of the good things are in place that got you to the playoffs two years ago with a rookie quarterback. You just have to update your tracking data, analytics, and update some of the processes. This answer scared me. Go ahead. Why? Because, again, I think it's reflective of how they're thinking inside. Like, they think all the problems were Bill. That Bill was sort of the obstacle blocking the development and advancement of everything else. And now Bill's gone and they can get back on track. And I just don't know that that when I heard him say it, I and I heard it this morning when I heard that comment, I went, holy smokes, like, you know, th- this system can work. You just have to update all the other stuff. I went, ooh, like that. That's worrisome to me. The whole thing should be worrisome. We'll see how it goes again. I can't predict the future. I, I just don't like the way it feels right now if I'm a Patriots fan. And as Greg said earlier, he also wrote this. I'll, I'll read it because he was quite impactful the way that he wrote it. I am a writer. Bedard said debatable <laughs> that the league scuttlebutt is that Bill is going to get the band back together wherever he lands with his all-star staff, in quotes. That means Josh McDaniels is some form of assistant head coach, front office liaison. Bill O'Brien is offensive coordinator. Matt Patricia as defensive coordinator. Joe Judge on special teams. And just like we kept score on Brady and Bill, we now have Gerard Mayo versus Brable. Gerard Mayo versus Belichick. Good luck, Gerard. <laughs> right. Right, Greg, on that one. I mean, it's, t- it's, uh, it's tough. And if they just think they're going to improve by um, improving their player tracking data. Like, look, those comments that Andrew I don't even had, know what that means. Maybe I was just going to ask that. Like, do they put one of those key tags on everybody? Like, what do so they They do? all have. A, every player has this tracking data on it. And, and what I... And, Look, Andrew. Is this, like the, is this like the? I'm sorry to cut you off. The yeah. things, the nonsense they show me, like how many miles per hour. Yeah, yeah and like the steps. dots. You get those dots of the plays. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that stuff. Give me a break. Um, but you know, obviously somebody's telling you know Andrew this stuff. I I, I don't doubt that. But I mean, th- what they are telling you is that, and and it's what you said for years. The game had passed Bill Belichick by. The NFL had passed Bill Belichick by. And now they are going to catch up. Look, I, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to defend what they did. They made their choices. Now it's up to me and others. Like, we keep score. We grade. How are they doing? They're entitled to making their decisions. The crafts are two for two on Hall of Fame coaches. They deserve respect for that. But my issue is with the process that they completely ignored an outside process. They could have landed on Gerard Mayo, they could have landed on Elliot Wolf. At the end of the day, 
But to put blinders on and say we don't need to hear how good anything, how anybody else does anything because we're the best and and all you know, to me, I don't think that helps make the Patriots better at the end of the day. So when I say games past Bill by, I'm not talking about the analytics. No, I guess that's part of it. I'm talking about the that's way- what they're saying. I know they are, and I that's not what I'm talking about. No, you're talking about the kind of offense they run. I'm talking about the offenses that are run in the NFL and how Bill defends them, and his defenses have caught up better than the offenses for sure. But I, I just think Bill approaches it with this antiquated notion that the quarterback is not that important and the middle of the field is where it's won. And, you know, it's that stuff, you know, on field uh, direction flow of the game, not how not track with tracking data. I'm not talking about that. I think we should put one of those on Murray. <laughs> See where he's going. He's moving kind of slow today. Yeah, yeah, seriously. What's, what's that about? Where's Murray going during lunch? <laughs> How come he keeps going out to the parking lot there around by, by the exactly. dumpster? Yeah, right behind that concrete pole over there. That would definitely make this place more efficient. <laughs> uh, so, Greg, you're going down to the uh, press conference tomorrow? Yes. What's your question? Because you may only get one, if that. Uh, if they a, even decide to give you the mic in the first place. Exactly. It might become lost. Like, they might uh, ignore me. Uh, don't see Bedard there. Um, I think the biggest question is, who is making the decision? Who's making the final decisions for football operations as of today and going forward? That is the question. Mm-hmm. Wh- who? Cause and the- I don't want to hear their collaboration bullcrap. Right. Okay. What happens if you all disagree? Yeah, right. but there's four people and it's yeah. two to two. What if it's five people and there's five different things? You know, what, 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 you know, no, no. At some point, someone presses the button. Who's the adult in the room? Who's pressing the button? And you said this before, like the league asks you uh, or requires you, we think, you think. Yep. Where you act, actually have to designate your chief football officer, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. or your, 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 your lead decision maker. And this is for, to, um, I, I, for clarification on what you know, what's a promotion? You know who mm-hmm. demands comp, who, You know when does a guy need to be compensated for? If he's leaving for a promotion, then you don't need compensate. Guy can break a contract if he's getting a promotion. So for these sort of things, they the league asks you, requires of you, to lay out your mast, Hier- your hierarchy, your hierarchy, mm-hmm. your masthead. So who's on top of your masthead? Who's that guy? <laughs> Good luck figuring that, Jonathan. I mean, I think it's Jonathan. I think it's Jonathan. You know who? Uh, is it going to be Mayo? I mean, how could it be? How could it be? How could it be Matt Grow? That freaking squid that I keep saying. You want to get fast? Get fast, guys. The offensive line coach stuffed him in a locker last year because he sucked so bad. And never mind with the offensive line coach who's not going to be here anymore. Like the whole thing's like, you got to pick one. They, they don't have anybody. They don't have anybody. So, but they have to—they have to designate someone. That's a pertinent question. I look forward to them giving you the mic, Greg. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah, you better ask it. Ask the question, Bert, and ask it right succinctly. Don't go on. Okay. It's not, hey, Bert. It's not story time, dude. Seriously, <laughs> ask the question. Like the preamble to the freaking Constitution. Oh my God, four score. The the the, the Gettysburg Address was like ninety seconds. People don't understand how how brief Lincoln really was. That's what made it so impactful, Bert. Ask the question, Bert. If Bert starts with the words, uh, Jonathan, given that, stop, stop, stop him. We all know in the past, ay, ay, ay. People thought when I shouted that out last week that I was in the press conference. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
Ask the question, Bert. <laughs> I can see how they were fooled. That I was like in the room. <laughs> I got right a bunch of. Him. I got a bunch of texts saying, you, "You realize you just the mic just or my mic wasn't no." I purposely put the mic on and I purposely said that for effect. I laughed at the time. Because <laughs> we were all saying the same thing. Ask the question, Bert. Oh my God, he has story time with Bert. Like, dude. Would you please just ask, ask it, ask the question? I'm telling you, ask get, the question, Bert. You get it's one of these days. We got to get him and McAdam in the same person. Oh conference. my God! Let him fight it out. Bring os- oxygen masks. will drop from the ceiling because the oxygen gets sucked out of the room as each of us, as each of those guys go into their preamble. Be like a Boeing flight. <laughs> Thanks for coming by, big boy. Thanks, boys. See you next See you, Tuesday. Man. We yep. continue with the conversation after Murray gets you updated. Ninety seconds, no commercials.